This is episode 16 of Strength Agenda Radio, featuring the man affectionately referred to as the Godfather, Dave Spitz. Dave is the owner and head coach for California Strength, a place that holds a very special place in my heart as it has dramatically changed the course of my athletic career as well as changed the landscape of American weightlifting altogether. Whether you got involved in weightlifting from Glenn's live stream practices, John, Donnie, Kevin, or Spencer's antics on YouTube, or the most recent, Wes Kitts setting record after, after record on his path to Tokyo, you know who they are. In one form or another, California strength changed the way weightlifting was thought about and how folks trained for the sport. If it's being done now, chances are they did it first or were one of the very first to do it. Recruiting athletes to create a competitive training environment. Weekly YouTube videos depicting how they go about their daily tasks, how they get their training done, how they recover, etc., etc. Live streaming practices, train heroic platforms, as well as creating a self-sustaining business that helped the training center operate outside of the confines of the USOC or USAW. At the center of all of this was Dave and his vision to get American weightlifting back on top. It's still too early to tell if he's been a success, but I'd say he's well on his way. So let's get settled in for another great episode of the Strength Agenda Radio. Now give me two claps and a Ric Flair. (laughs) Woo! This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. Today's question for the top of the show talks about burnout, and it goes a little something like this. Tom. I've been training seriously in weightlifting for the last three years, and I feel like I might be burnt out. What do you recommend I do to overcome this or help make training more fun again? First off, um, I wish I knew your name because I'm almost 100% sure your name is Tom Soroka. I feel like a ghost of weightlifting past in this scenario because I had the exact same feelings three years into the sport. See, when I got involved in weightlifting, I was 26 years old, and by weightlifting standards, um, that, that's considered to be too old for starting out. Now, obviously, there are some outliers. There's always those you know, few exceptions to the rule. Colin Burns, for example, um, he got started, I believe, either around that same age or he was a little older when he got involved in weightlifting, and he's had a great career. So it can be done. I'm not saying it can be done, but for most people, getting involved in weightlifting in their late 20s when it's you know your first time giving it a go um, – it's going to be very hard to break into that top tier of athletes. Now, myself, um, I was a collegiate thrower, comp- competed in strongman, Highland Games, etc., and I got invited to train out of California Strength with you know John, Donnie, Rob, Kevin, Spencer, and, and the whole gang out there, and be coached by Glenn Penley. You know, people would think living the dream, right? Um, on one hand, of course, but there, you know, there's always two sides of the coin. And since I was older, my time in the sport was going to be limited. So the thought process went, you know, you need to make as much progress in as little time as possible. I went from training maybe four or five times a week, doing the snatch or clean and jerk maybe once or twice, to nine training sessions a week, pushing daily maximums in one or both lifts on a fairly consistent basis. Uh, Needless to say, my body broke down very quickly, and by 2015, I had shoulder problems, a bad hip, achy knees, and just a complete disgust for weightlifting. I wanted to do something else, anything else, that didn't involve the snatch and clean and jerk standing on a platform in a singlet, and it led me down the path of trying all sorts of different things. Anything really that presented itself, I gave it a go. Um, 
you know, so like, do I regret anything that I did? Absolutely not. But I wouldn't say the path that I took is the, the, the best way to go about this. So my point is, you know, had I taken a more strategic approach and not tried to rush the progress, who knows where I'd be today when it comes to weightlifting. Um, like I said before, I don't regret a single thing that has happened along my journey, but it pains me to see other young lifters making these same mistakes. I, I'm hell-bent on you know helping my own lifters not make these same mistakes, but I can only do so much um, and hopefully this helps you out a little bit. You know, If you're just dreaded or you're disgusted with the simple fact of having to train, um, then you probably need a break. You probably need to take some time off. But if you're not quite there yet and you're just starting to feel that burned out, I do have a few questions for you. Um, first off, what does your yearly training plan look like? Do you even have a yearly training plan? Um, how often are you pushing heavy singles or maxing out? Because um, that's that's gonna you know that, that that's gonna wear on the body a lot more than anything else you're probably doing. Um, or and do you have a coach of any sort? These are three questions that could probably tell me a ton about you know how to address the problem that you're having. You know I know I know I say this all the time and it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but everybody needs a coach in some form or fashion. You need that voice of reason for those days you doubt yourself or you come up with a really dumb idea and need to be talked off that ledge. Uh, you, you also need somebody to just validate you're on the right path or just give you some tough love when you're being a brat about training or not wanting to do something. Um, a good coach is also going to be able to look at your training from a whole year as opposed to going meet to meet. I don't recommend taking the latter. Okay, um, That's not a good approach and that's going to really cause some more burnout. If you're only just training for the next meet and you're not looking for long, sustainable progress, you're going to be in for you know a bumpy road. You need to have built-in rest. You need to have, have built-in peaks. You need, you need maintenance phases as well as times during your training year to go back and address weaknesses to kind of shore up all your strengths. You know, if you keep your foot on the gas all the time, eventually that tank is going to run dry. So my biggest suggestion is to take a step back, see if any of this that I've already laid out or suggested to you can be applied to your training to help improve your longevity in the sport. Because after all, weightlifting is a marathon, not a sprint. And as I already stated before, you may simply need a break. It sucks, but sometimes you just need to go do something completely different and reset yourself. And if you're you know, feeling that itch to come back, then come on back, have fun, and keep killing it. Okay? Hopefully this helps. Please keep these questions coming. These are great guys, and enjoy the interview with Dave Spitz. All right, boys and girls. This might not come as a surprise to you, but I'm a bigger guy, and I have been for years. I remember the first time I had to take one of those medical exams to get life insurance. I scored horribly. Not because I wasn't healthy or fit, but because traditional insurance companies evaluate your health on an outdated standard called the BMI. Newsflash, that's not a great indicator of health for somebody who lifts weights or works out on a regular basis. So I've partnered up with Health IQ because I 100% believe in what they're doing. Rather than going the traditional route, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that offers exclusive rates to those that can demonstrate they know what a healthy lifestyle is and prove it through various methods like their Health IQ quiz, data from your fitness apps, and other unique ways. The advantage of working with Health IQ is that their unique mortality model is based on ensuring the health conscious and that they have lower rates for health conscious people, like a good driver gets on savings with auto insurance, and unique underwriting, replacing the BMI with waist to hip ratio, cholesterol calculations, and other methods. Stop paying more than you need to, or worse, avoid getting life insurance altogether because you're afraid you won't qualify for great rates. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and that can be you too. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com agenda or mention the promo code agenda when you talk to a Health IQ agent. 
According to studies, lifting reduces your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes, among other benefits, like, you know, having awesome videos to post on Instagram. But Instagram views and followers won't be able to help you save money on your life insurance. So head on over to healthiq.com to learn more and get your free quote today. All right, welcome to Strength Agenda Radio. My guest today is affectionately known as the godfather of weightlifting, the uh, head honcho that runs California Strength. My guest is Dave Spitz. Dave, welcome to the show, bud. Oh, that's a ludicrous introduction, but uh, thank you. I uh, can't wait to can't wait to discuss weightlifting and other life topics with you. Other life topics, old oh, man. So. For those who live under a rock and are unaware of who you are and what you do, give us a little bit of a background. First, talk about your athletic background, because I feel like you personally have a pretty interesting one that led you to California Strength, and then talk about you know, the early days of Cal Strength, where it's at now, and where you're going from here. Okay, that's, uh, that's the show then, because that's a long conversation. Give us um, some cliff notes then. <laughs> uh, so... My lack of an athletic background is what probably uh, was the architect for California Strength. I went to USC on a scholarship to throw the shot put in the hammer, and I was uh, mildly successful at best in that endeavor. Uh, My goal had always been to represent this country in the Olympic Games, and I was uh, woefully uh, far from accomplishing that in 2000 when I graduated. Uh, so I went to work, um, went and did some finance work, did, did, some, did some work on Wall Street, and four years later, the games were in Athens, Greece, and that old Olympic dream uh, evidently was, was still um, buried deep down, and it came kind of boiling to the surface, and I felt a pretty serious twinge of regret for not accomplishing what I originally had dreamed of accomplishing as a child. So I picked up weightlifting in 2004 and um, then decided that if I was going to do this uh, to the best of my ability, I really needed to to do everything in my power to, to make it happen. So I went over to Bulgaria, trained in a lot of those old Bulgarian training halls and met up with Ivan Abajim himself and then uh, Abajiev was not doing a whole lot at the time, and I was able to convince him to come over, recruit a couple Bulgarian athletes, and see if we couldn't light a fire um, via that spark uh, with with uh, respect to bringing USA weightlifting back. And um, that's kind of the the early stages of Cal Strength. Yeah, you guys were called American Weightlifting, weren't you? Yep, American Weightlifting was a nonprofit that I I funded, and then I uh, raised some corporate money and raised some some friends and family money to uh, to rent a house and and we built a training hall out of the garage there, and um, I had two Bulgarian athletes, Nikolai Hristov and Martin Pashov. Um, Nikolai was a super heavyweight who snatched uh, one ninety and clean and jerk two thirty at a local weightlifting competition here and then martin uh had snatched 175 and i think clean and jerk 210 um prior to coming out and he was uh he was a bronze medalist at the junior uh, european championships so 
pretty qualified athletes. And then with Abhijiv yeah. at the helm, uh, we started recruiting some Americans to join us. So it was started off just me, Nikolai, and Martin with Abhijiv for a couple months. And then uh, Donnie Shankel came out and uh, Max Ada came out and James Moser ended up coming out. And so we kind of built um, built this collective of Bulgarian and American weightlifters and tried to tried to implement the system as best we could. Now, what were your best lifts when you did weightlifting? Because I know you were really good at power cleans, but I don't know if that was your best clean as well. <laughs> yeah, my 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 best all time lifts were one forty two in the snatch and one ninety six in the clean and jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was later on as I kind of moved into from the one Oh fives into, into the super heavyweight category. So yeah. I was not, I was not particularly good at weightlifting and, you know, knowing what I know now, the path that I took to try and improve myself, uh, was, was just completely, completely wrong. So then out of that, you guys ended up with the current situation you guys have at Cal strength, you guys ended up just going into sports performance. Like how did that come to fruition? How did the current like location and space and all that stuff that you guys are in come to fruition? Well, the American weightlifting nonprofit, uh, was not making any money on its own. And so I had to keep feeding, uh, feeding this, um, organization with more and more money. And mm-hmm. I was not seeing results and I was, it was, quickly kind of made aware that maybe the strategy we were employing trying to trying to execute the Bulgarian system with American athletes that represented largely what we would call late stage adopters. Yeah. Um, so people that picked up the sport later on in life, like you, like me, yeah. uh, was, was just a completely flawed concept and mm-hmm. that uh, we needed to kind of rethink, re-strategize, retool and figure out how, if I was really going to make make uh, inroads with regard to helping the United States develop as a country. Because once I, once you realize how bad we were back then, it's, it's, it was embarrassing and it was not, yeah. it, w- it was not something that I was comfortable just letting live. And so uh, I went and started Cal strength and decided that, you know, weightlifting was an important tool in the box of every athlete, in my opinion, um, mm-hmm. you know, working to, to um, deliver good messaging um, with regard to athletic programs, um, all all while prioritizing the Olympic variations um, for 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 our population, and so we kind of use that infrastructure to fund the weightlifting team mm-hmm. and keep things rolling. So, like nowadays, so when well, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get the accurate timeline. You guys were pretty well established by the time I had moved out there. For those that don't know, um, I, Dave, I wouldn't say Dave didn't want me out there. I don't think Dave knew I was coming. Um, I think that was a conversation Glenn and I had that never got relayed to Glenn or to uh, Dave when I got invited out there. But by the time I had gotten out there, you pretty much had a foothold in that area. Um, you had San Ramon Valley, you had Monta Vista, um, you had Cal High. Um, those were the three big schools that I saw, but you were like well entrenched in all those schools. All those kids were coming into your facility and training. And then you had the weightlifting team on top of that, that was training. And then they were kind of like your, I don't say minions, but they kind of ran the floor for you and worked with like the, uh, the younger kids and stuff like that. While you started bringing on 
um, the, 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 the combine guys, which is what you're doing right now. You, I was just talking to Scott, and he was telling me that you guys started a week early this year with the combine stuff. So how did all that come? Like, how did you get to the point where you decided that, you know, you needed all, like, three of those different avenues, four if you include, like, the community outreach, so to speak, to make it, you know, one cohesive unit? Yeah, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I had a really sound vision that I just went and executed on. Um, it's a, it's like any small business, you know, uh, recognizing opportunities when they present themselves. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, re- I knew that I wanted to support weightlifting. I knew that I wanted to support weightlifters. And the best way I could think to do that was to build this infrastructure of sports performance revenue around that. And so as we started to to grow the weightlifting team, um, we needed um, we needed obviously a support staff for the sports performance side. So the weightlifters kind of doubled as as you know quote unquote strength coaches, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and we prioritized their training. And so. Uh, we moved enough people through the high school ranks um, on the football side that, you know, some of them went on to college and became successful. And then uh, eventually one of those young men came back and asked me to prep him for the combine. That was TJ Ward, who was drafted yeah. in the second round to the uh, Cleveland Browns at the time. And, you know, I had no, no inclinations whatsoever of ever preparing athletes for the NFL scouting combine. But yeah. TJ, TJ insisted that, that, I help him, and so um, that's kind of the the organic origins of of what we do today. Um, you know, helping guys prepare for the NFL scouting combine. Yeah, you know, the idea that what we do on the weightlifting side and what we do on the combine side is so closely related. You know, peak performance is, yeah. is something that that I think we do particularly well. I don't do a great job with you know preparing teams for a season i don't do a great job uh you know working towards towards kind of this this more nebulous uh uh general preparation type play i I do a really good job when i have an anchor date and a performance that we have to create out of these known exercises and so the combine is very closely related to weightlifting in that regard yeah, it's, it's really funny you mentioned the, or it's interesting you mentioned the whole starting from a kid all the way up, because this year in particular, um, it, I just, I was constantly thinking of Cal Strength and all that, my time there, um, I was only there for six months, but you had me coaching, or you got me thro- uh, coaching throwers over at Monta Vista, and then we interacted with, um, God, I can't remember the school you were coaching at the time. De La Salle. De La Salle, there you go. And um, this year in fantasy football, I actually had Austin Hooper on my fantasy football team and it was I was telling all the guys in the gym here that like he was one of those guys that was as a kid running around the gym you know talking smack and doing his workouts and all that stuff hanging out with the weightlifters and then I saw through the videos that he came back did his combine stuff and now he's playing for the Atlanta Falcons last year he played in the Super Bowl and I know you and I were texting uh, during the game because he had a phenomenal catch um, at the, in the first quarter or something like that. So it's really cool to see, you know, all those kids you know, and these athletes come full circle with you. Um, yep. Just off the top of your head, how, or how many athletes have you had go on to the NFL that have, like, start, that have started from, you know, about high school with you and through the whole process? 
probably a half a dozen that have done like from high school all the way on into the NFL, um, which which is significant. I mean, That's some huge. of our yeah, some of our more 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 successful players like Austin Hooper, like Zach Ertz, um, uh, like T.J. Ward, Roy Halu, and um, Ryan Whalen. These these guys that really kind of uh, you know, Austin started in the gym when he was 11 years old. He was, yeah. he was literally, you know, a, a baby re- running around, you know, learning to play Pop Warner football. Yeah. Um, so being on the journey from, from that age all the way up into, you know, watching him haul in, you know, the first, the first, he was the first rookie tight end to ever catch a, a, a Super Bowl touchdown. That's awesome. Pass. So, you know, like the, those, those types of things, celebrating those milestones or whether it's, you know, Zach Ertz, you know, being named to the Pro Bowl this year, um, yeah, you know th- those types of things are pretty, pretty cool, pretty pretty interesting to be on that journey. Now, on the flip side of it, with weightlifting, um, a lifter that you have right now, Jalen, who's been catching a lot of attention, um, he's kind of been on like this meteoric rise and all that. Go to the other side with the weightlifting and the youth and stuff like that, and how are you now? using the youth to funnel up through the weightlifting ranks now because he's been somebody i think has been with the program for a while too as well right well jaden's been uh i I found jaden uh in a crossfit gym um and he was a dedicated crossfitter uh he's about 12 years old when i first saw him but Mm -hmm. i you know you, you see you know talent right away yeah uh, in our sport when you see it and so this kid was uh not not very difficult to spot. I, I approached his mom and, um, you know, just made sure that she knew that whenever he was ready to, to jettison CrossFit and start weightlifting full-time, we were going to be there, you know, uh, to support him. And so... When did he start uh, actually training at the facility with you guys? He started training here uh, about three years ago now. Okay. So... Because a lot of people seem to think that he all of a sudden just came out of nowhere. And I mean, I've seen, no, no, I, no. I pay attention to the videos and stuff, and I've seen him in the backgrounds of videos for a while now, but yeah. I wasn't 100% sure how long he had been with the with the team. Yeah, he's been here about three, three, three years. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's, a, he's one of the rare cases, you know, like these, these guys that grow up lifting weights, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's a CJ Cummings or Harrison Morris, or a Jaden Washington, you know, these kids where that's their first sport, that's their primary sport from a young yeah. age, um, you know, that's that, that's such a luxury um, when we can find those those gems, you know, because Jaden truly is a genetic point oh oh one percenter, you know, he's a, he's Absolutely. athletic, he's got great mobility, he's got, uh, he's got a great head on his shoulders, you know, all the things that you look for, you know, he's, he's got, and so usually what we see is a kid like that playing a sport where, you know, you have some either financial upside or some opportunity for scholarship. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've built a business on teaching guys like you, uh, and guys like, like me, how to lift weights at a reasonable level, you know, yeah. even though, you know, they started later in life. Absolutely. And so, you know, if you transpose Jane's journey to, uh, a guy like Wes Kitts, you know, who who just picked up the sport, you know, about the same time Jaden did, really, about three years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a stark, stark contrast in their journeys. Yeah. So speaking of Wes, I don't know. Um, I, I think I heard him mentioned, or you might have mentioned it before. Um, the, the first time I ever saw him lift, he actually tried out for MDUSA. 
uh, when yes. I w- when I was down in South Carolina when I had left Cal Strength with Glenn to go down with MDUSA. Like Wes walked in for the tryout. I don't remember the guy he had coaching or whatever. He lifted very well. Um, I don't remember exactly why they ended up not picking him or something like that. I think it had something to do with like the, his weight class or something that we had multiple 105s or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. But it was he was when you were just talking about people like when you see them move and you're like, yeah, that guy's gonna be good because he was warming up on the platform across from Caleb Whippy and I. And we watched him power clean 180, maybe 175, yep. 180 multiple times in the back because he kept getting pushed down in the in the order and stuff like that. And I just remember looking over at Caleb and I'm like, this guy is a freak. And fast forward three years to him breaking the American record, what, four times this year, three times? Three times, yeah. And now, you know, he had the meat of his life at the World Championships. And I would say he's probably one of the front runners for an Olympic spot if we, you know, depending on how many we get for the 2020 Olympics. So talk about where, let's all go with the weightlifting side first. Where is Cal Strength heading with the weightlifting side? Like you guys were probably one of the first people to do the train heroic thing with, you know, the, the, the affordable programming for all and, you know, uh, getting a bunch of people, you know, funneled through that system. And then I know you've, you've gotten some of your elite team from that system, um, uh, that that you had, like, where is Calstrength heading? You know, in the next four years, in this next quad. Well, I think that uh, Calstrength has made some very significant strides in terms of uh, what our expectations are from our athletes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we first started the the gym, I had, like I said, a lot of a lot of late stage adopters that I knew were self-selecting to be a part of the weightlifting movement because, you know, maybe they just, they had a need to fill or they, they, they just, they had, they had something that, that drove them to the sport as opposed to being really selected for the sport. And so what we were able to do, you know, strangely enough, those that select themselves in that manner have some pretty quirky and goofy personalities that, that we could do that we used. Yeah. So, you know, if you talk about Don, Donnie Shankle, if you talk about John North, these are what we call inspirational athletes. Um, and I, and I hope, I hope nobody's offended, especially them by, by me saying that, but these guys are, you know, they, they, they drove a lot of participation in the sport. They drove a lot of interest in the sport and they drove, they were very entertaining to watch and they were, they were very motivational. Um, but we knew that there was no way that, Donnie or John or, uh, you know, you or, or Kevin Cornell were ever going to be really in a position to win a medal at a world championships or at an Olympic games. Absolutely. You know, they were really intended to just drive interest, to drive awareness so that we could find the next generation of athletes um, and grow the sport financially and grow the sport uh, from a participation standpoint. And so if we talk about the long con, you know, that's kind of what we were playing in some respects. And this is what I was trying to relay to, you know, some of the Bulgarians that were over in the early stages is we have to crawl before we can walk and then then, yeah. then we can end up running. But we had to get some people um, into the into the into the limelight that kind of would 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 get people fired up to pick up a barbell. And so, you know, yeah, for, for as much, as much crap as people want to give somebody like John, um, yes, his antics sometimes were over the top. Yes. He kind of said things and you 
turns your head to the side like a dog and we're like, what? Um, he drove a ton of attention to the sport and in, you know, in terms of that, um, by doing all the seminars and all the stuff in the CrossFit, just drove a ton of participation to the sport. And you, you, you can't fault somebody for that. And the same thing with Donnie, but he did it in a different way. Like there was the mystique of Donnie Shank. I mean, it's still to this day, every time somebody hears that I trained with Donnie, they're like, what was he like? And I feel so like, I feel like I'm letting people down. Cause I'm like, he was really grumpy. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, the Donnie that I knew was, you know, he was the the, the elder statesman of the group. Um, people give me crap all the time because to this day, and I, I don't know if I, I know you gave me crap about it for a while. I only lift with blues, yellows, and greens. Um, yes. It's just out of habit because when I was there at Cal Strength, Donnie, John, and Spencer got all the red plates. Like, they got first dibs on the pick of the equipment, and you got what was left. So, like, Kevin and I were just always lifting on blues, greens, and yellows. So like, <laughs> it just it was like ingrained in me. And I like I got to MDUSA, and we had our own racks by each platform. And as a joke, they took all the red plates out of my rack and just put <laughs> put more greens and yellows and blues in there. So I had things to lift on. So it's just it's really you know I'm, I'm glad that you said that that they were more inspirational lifters because those guys in particular they yes they drove a ton of attention to the sport and kind of helped shape the sport into what we have now where we have these feeder systems we have a ton of youth athletes we have all these different athletes from different sports starting to get involved um now what about the other side for cal strength the sports performance side the nfl combine side like where is that going well i think that that is basically been capped out so i'll, I'll take my 12 to 15 guys every year and um you know, we get some great ones and yeah. it helps drive the culture of the gym. You know, the idea that this place is, as you know, 4,000 square feet of warehouse space in yeah. San Ramon, California. Um, so the idea that we can produce, you know, we had, I think, eight guys on the Pro Bowl ballot this year. Yeah. Um, you know, we have multiple NFL combine records. Um, and so the idea that we can continue to show the world quality qualitatively and then quantitatively what we're capable of producing with, you know, uh, our culture, our, our programs, mm -hmm. our, our commitment to excellence. Um, well, I think it's, it's an important part of the gym, but I don't see it growing yeah. much larger than, than what, where it is. I mean, no bigger I, space, no franchise. No, no, yeah. No. Yeah. That's not, that's not, that's not me. I mean, now, now, now that we have the power of the internet to help uh, with some of the offsets of the cost, you know, yeah. You mentioned, you know, these these train heroic programs that we've tried to democratize, you know, pretty sound uh, organizations of, you know, weightlifting movements and yeah. and, uh, 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 you know, general physical type preparation programs. You know, the idea that we've we've been able to offer that stuff to the public for 15 to 20 dollars a month and and we get to interact with people and. And be able to to help people achieve their goals while they're supporting our weightlifting team. Yeah, and that's that's the best of all worlds. And Absolutely. so um, it's been it's been a really fun journey to be a part of watching technology help the sport um, in these ways. You know. So now we'll go on like a personal side of this. Um, you, what is your advice? Because I mean, so the the whole reason I got originally got involved in weightlifting. I was a throws coach out here in Chicago and I did not know how to do the snatch and clean. Like most people, I was taught to do the cleans very 
poorly. And it was the whole starfish, like knees about to touch and the catch and all that stuff. And when Glenn invited me out there, I was like, I can learn how to do this properly and bring it back and, you know, work with my athletes. Then Glenn invited me out there to, you know, train full time and all that. And I jumped at the chance um, because, you know, who doesn't want to be able to say they at least tried to make an Olympic team or something like that. But what I became way more engrossed in was watching you and how the entire business was run. Um, it was just something, it was very admirable. It was one of those things where you saw it and you're like, this is what I want to do. So in my opinion, you gave me the blueprint on what I wanted to do once I was done with weightlifting. So my question is to you for somebody who wasn't in my position that got to sit there and watch you on a pretty regular basis, just do your thing. Um, like I said, whether you realize it or not, it's kind of like your kids. I was watching a lot of what you did on your daily interactions and all that stuff. And like I said, it just gave me that you know, push to be like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to find a way to take this, bring it back to Chicago and do exactly this with my own athletes and, you know, my own business. What is your advice to somebody who didn't get that chance to sit there and watch you? Like if they want to get into something like this, like what are some things that you wish you can go back and tell yourself not to do to kind of push that success along a little bit quicker than it came? Well, that's, uh, that's very humbling to hear that uh, you – were uh inspired in that way is that's i mean that's as important as you know some of the athletes that we're putting out there to drive participation you know getting getting coaches like yourself into the sport getting that buy-in so that you're investing in athletes and you're investing in in the long-term growth of the sport that's 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 as important as as driving participation itself from an athletic standpoint um so you know, the world needs more mentors and the world needs more zealots for sure. So, uh, that's, that's awesome to hear. I would say that from a mistake standpoint, you know, I think that the most important thing that any coach or business owner, uh, has to identify early on is why. So your intent is, is the most important thing that you're going to have, because you can always go back to that. Why am I doing this? Why is it important? Um, what does it mean to me? And what am I trying to really accomplish with my business? Um, so you know, for me, I always knew that weightlifting was my foundation, was my rock that I would build this, this, this church on. And so I knew that I was never going to be able to make money off of weightlifters. I had to make money off of weightlifting uh, in order to support the weightlifters. And so, you know, just going back to your intent and, and answering the question why, you know, should, should give you some opportunities to solve some problems. And so um, I think that's one of the things that we always, we always did pretty well was we had an identity and we had a, 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 an overriding foundation that we, that we use to build the business on top of. Yeah, no, I, I, I would definitely agree with that because um, until I got there, I had no idea you did sports performance. I had no clue whatsoever. Like everything I had watched from YouTube and read up on was Glenn and John and Donnie and even Rob, who Rob's another person that a lot of people don't even realize how long he's been there. Um, he's, he's almost been there, I believe, since the beginning, right? I mean, he was he came shortly after Caleb was there. And then he, I mean, he's still there obviously to this day. So he's been one of those that's just like deeply entrenched that wasn't quite an early starter. Like you talked about with Jalen, like 12, 13, 14, 
because um, he was he was in high school when he started, right? No, he was um, he was I believe eighteen or nineteen. So he okay. was in junior college at the time. Okay, and he came out and uh, was trying to figure out you know what he wanted to do. He was yeah. he was at a local junior college and he was trying to throw the shot put. And, you know, for anybody that knows Rob. You know, he's he's a, he's a gifted athlete, but he's five foot eight, maybe, yeah. and um, you know he just was in was in the wrong sport for you know yeah. what his what his uh, his his athletic ability kind of required. So yeah. he needed he needed to make a change. I saw I saw that uh, you know he was he was a kid searching for something, and so uh, I took him up to the De La Salle weight room and. Put him through a couple quick uh, exercises. Saw that he had tremendous mobility and and flexibility and good coordination. And so I delivered him to Glenn uh, the next the next week and said, "Here, start with this kid." Yeah. And so you know he literally, you know, he started snatching, you know, from zero, uh, and now all these years later, you know, he's snatching in the snatched one sixty plus and he's clean and jerked one ninety. And he, if anything, I think he has been a testament to the program and its effectiveness because every year he just incrementally chips away at his old PRs and he's doing doubles and triples with lifts from like that would be PRs like a year or two ago and it's been really cool to see um, both because I got to train next to him and once I left continued to watch him improve and progress and all that stuff but um, speaking of being able to watch from afar and all that stuff technology how much has technology helped you in particular you know, expand the reach of Cal strength? Like what are just some of those things that like, you know, 20 years ago, you know, 10, even 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do that we've been able to do now that have helped you out a lot. Well, I think, you know, all of the social aspects of, of, uh, technology really help, you know, getting, getting people to kind of commiserate and to kind of share experiences and to kind of get inspired by each other, you know, whether it's through Instagram or Facebook or, um, Snapchat, what have you, you know, us being able to communicate the, the journey of Mm -hmm. these guys and be, get, get get buy-in on that side. I think that's, that's one of the things that you can only really appreciate if you see the day-to-day struggle, you know, weightlifting, you can't, you can, you can watch these guys go on stage and hit these big weights, but you really have no appreciation for what it took to do that. And so I think, you know, from the early stages, I was committed to, kind of showing the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, yeah. we got, we, 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 got a lot of flack for having, you know, less than optimum technique at times, but we were lifting at, you know, higher, higher intensities than I think what a lot of people were lifting at. I, I definitely think you guys were at the forefront in that sense with giving people an inside view to what was going on. I mean, the YouTube channel was huge. That was how I found out about you guys originally. Um, I can't remember the video exactly, um, but one of my favorite videos, and I think it's probably one of your most that one of your most well liked videos is Donnie Shankle is bigger than you. Yeah. Um, like that 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 video in particular that that just kind of epitomizes, in my opinion, the daily struggle as you put it with Cal Strength. And I think you know between the YouTube channel and then the Train Heroic platform, and now even like Instagram and social media, I feel like you guys are always just kind of at the forefront pushing that envelope to help get that information out to the masses as quickly as possible. Yep. It just goes back to, like I said, the, the why and your intentions. Um, you know, we, we have a very clear vision for, you know, being relentless in our approach, uh, 
when it comes to helping USA Weightlifting be successful again. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm I'm going to continue to to grind and work as hard as I can to put as many people uh, who want the opportunity uh, in a position to be successful. Absolutely. So, you know, you take a kid like Wes, for example. I, I mean, he he moved out to California. You know. On, a, on 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 virtually no money on on really no I brought him out for a recruiting trip and then I offered him an internship where he would make five hundred dollars a month for three months and that's that's what got him out here and that's that kind of that kind of commitment to to being successful is is so admirable that yeah you know it kind of matches my commitment to the coaching and support side so I just uh, I'm very excited about where we are as a business where we are as a, as a sport um, and, and coming off this world championships. I mean, and then coming off of uh, our team title at the American open, I just yeah. I feel, I feel more energized than ever to just continue to kick ass. So speaking of that, it, um, before, you know, we, we got this next quad coming up 2020 is our next Olympics. Um, I asked Kevin Doherty, you know, his thoughts on what we need to improve upon to be even better by the time 2020 rolls around. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what are some things you would like to see improved upon? Or if there are is anything you think we need to improve upon to get you to get us to that point where we are, you know, pushing for medals, not only at the world championships, but now at the Olympic level? Yeah, I mean, I think that continuing to move our expectations up. So the idea that, you know, it's not good enough just to place in in the top 10 it's not good enough for west to be you know in the a group you know putting up american records we want to compete for medals and so you know in this world championships although you know we had a couple countries uh not able to compete you know west was one 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 little elbow bobble one white light away from being able to put a bronze medal clean and jerk on the bar yeah. uh, or a bronze medal lift for a total I think that you know we're going to see a lot of changes going from you know team qualification mm-hmm. uh, to you know these individual qualifications that are now going to drive Olympic selection. So I'm headed to Colorado Springs at the end of the month uh, to meet up with uh, Piros and Mike Catone and Phil Andrews and uh, and Lance and and really kind of get a get a feel for where and how the sport is going to be contested in the future. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we were we were very close to, to losing our status as an Olympic sport. Yeah, we were and, really close. You know, this World Championships did a lot to help us, you know, show the world that, you know, there was a lot of very good athletes that were competing clean, that were, that were still making the sport interesting and still making great attempts, um, you know, like the Koreans and the Japanese and, uh, even the Germans and us, like I, I feel like I feel like there was a lot of really great weightlifting that was going on, um, that was that was being contested without drugs, and yeah. you know, it was it was fun to watch. It was fun to behold. Yeah, I definitely um, I definitely think from the outside looking in, if people that don't really know the sport, they didn't know anything about it, they wouldn't have noticed a difference from this year's World Championships to previous years because it was still, like you said, exciting. Um, the 94 kilo session in particular was really exciting. You know, that's just the one that stuck out to me. But there were plenty of other weight classes. You know, Wes's weight class was really fun to watch. Um, Sarah Robles, you know, being crowned world champion, that was really cool to watch. And I, I think the people, oh, I don't think people like just assume the drugs played a, a 
gigantic factor, but I don't think it played as big of a factor as people thought. And like you said, that helped us keep our spot for the next few Olympics. So that was really good to see. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we can do better is just continue to drive more, more coaches into the sport that actually, you know, have, have, um, a background in peak performance that understand how to teach and how to prepare athletes from, you know, late stage adopters to like the early adopters, yeah. you know, us as Americans, we're, we're, we're tasked with, you know, uh, a lot in terms of being able to provide programming, psychological support, you know, uh, uh, you know, understanding all of the, all of the trackside therapies and the, the recovery and regeneration strategies and, and being able to teach technique alongside, you know, it's just, a, there's a lot, there's a lot to know. And I think that I've been in the sport for 14 years now and I'm still continuing to learn and to experiment each and every year. A little known fact about hand armor chalk is that the owner, Tony Madalone, is a former college strength and conditioning coach. Besides having years of experience working in the trenches to create a product like hand armor, his idea for his patent pending formula came out of necessity. Back in his coaching days, he had a few athletes with autoimmune issues that trained alongside the other athletes. Given their health issues, he needed a way to cut down on the spread of germs, and if you've ever been inside a college weight room, you know how tall of a task that can be. Tony set out to create a product that not only can be used individually by his athletes, but was also antimicrobial. Hence, Hand Armor Chalk was born. So whether you're a germaphobe or you're just looking to keep your gym a bit cleaner, go to handarmorchalk.com, check out all the products they have to offer, and get yourself some. Most athlete codes get you 10% off their purchases, but if you use code AGENDA, A-G-E-N-D-A, you save 15% off your Hand Armor order. So go with the Chalk of Champions and choose Hand Armor Chalk for your gym. Sorry for ending here, boys and girls, but we had some technical difficulties with Dave's lightning round questions. They got cut off for some reason. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to try to catch up with him at Nationals and make that up to you with a separate video or something along those lines. Um, but make sure to follow Dave and all his lifters at Cal Strength on Instagram. They post great stuff on a daily basis, and you get to see some huge lifts going up. You know, All the lifters there are just top-notch. Um, they're really good people, too, and they, they, they love helping people get better at weightlifting. Check out their website, www www.californiastrength.com and uh, don't forget to look up all their training platforms that they offer through the barbell wad on train heroic thank you guys and gals for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode thanks for listening to strength agenda radio be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation access the show notes and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners until next time train hard lift heavy